Now, today is the final Sunday in our series, I Quit. I want to give credit as I have before to Life Church in Oklahoma, making this series available to other churches to adapt. But I also want you to know that very little of what I've said in this series came from there. Uh, anyway, I had the first week, on May 1st, uh, the message was, I quit making excuses. Anyway, the, a few days after that, I, I posted something on Facebook that, that said, better a simple apology than a lame excuse. And then, you know, I thought, well, I'll be cool. I'm going to add a hashtag. So I added a hashtag, I quit. And then I thought, well, I want to tag the church. So I added the tag, Faith Westwood. And somebody, and somebody saw that and they go, they go, oh, you know, they thought I was quitting Faith Westwood. <laughs> and so I had to go back and fix my hashtag. Anyway, pull out your, pull out your uh, white insert, the one that has the outline for today's message on it, if you would. Can you grab that? We're going to look at Ephesians 4.29 again. We've done, been doing that every week in this series. Uh, you'll see it there in the box right below the title uh, in that outline. And uh, I want us to all say it together, shall we? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I know a lot of you are pretty close to having this memorized. I mean, it's coming a part of you. But I, what I want to know is, how is it, has it been helpful to you? What difference has it made kind of going through this on Sundays and then during the week as well? I would love to hear from you about that. And today, we're saying, I quit comparing. And we humans, we are relentless comparers. We compare cupcakes and candidates. <laughs> we compare colleges and computers. But today, we're saying, uh, we're looking at how we compare ourselves to others. You know, when I'm on the gym at the treadmill, uh, I, I, you know, and if someone is on the treadmill beside me, I can hardly keep myself from looking over, see how, fa <laughs> see how fast they're going. You know, and if, and if they're, you know, going uh, fa faster than me, then I'm feeling, kind of feeling weak and, and out of shape. And, and, but if I'm looking over and they're going slower than me, <laughs> I'm feeling really strong and athletic, you know. Uh, you, there, there's a shirt that I wear once in a while. It's a, you, you, some of you probably remember, but anyway, it's a white shirt with big window pane, orange window pane plaid on it. I, I like that shirt. I mean, I think I look okay. You know, I look kind of good in that shirt. I like that shirt. Well, one Sunday last year, I wore that shirt, and Greg Stolp came to Faith Westwood wearing that exact same shirt. And uh, his wife, Jen, took a picture of us, which was cool. And, but I looked at that photo of me standing beside Greg, and somehow I, I didn't look as good in that shirt as I thought I did. We compare, don't we? We compare ourselves to others. On your outline, you'll see there uh, some stuff that we compare. You can check all those boxes that you think apply to you. Possessions, uh, for example, uh, how many of you would say that you're a car person? I mean, you, you're kind of into cars, you love cars. Yeah, we got some hands here, yeah. 
You probably know that feeling then when your friend comes up, driving up in this brand new car. I mean, it is, it's loaded. It's just rumbling with power. It's uh, dripping with luxury. And then you go back to your car. And it just seems lame by comparison. Anybody here a phone person? You, yeah, some lo- phone people here. You got to have the latest and, and coolest uh, gadget, iPhone or Galaxy, and, and you got to have it first so it's better than everybody else's. Uh, we also compare performance. So maybe, you know, you get a 95 on your algebra test, way to go. And then you look over the person next to you, they got a 98. Or if they get an 87, then you're feeling really smart. (laughs) We, We have this insatiable urge to compare performance. I mean, that's what sports is all about, right? What about appearance? Commercials and and magazines, they just compel us to compare appearance. You know, in our culture, it is so hard on women. Don't you think? Especially young women. Got to have the hair. Got to have the shoes. Got to have the tan. Got to have the look. It, It breaks my heart how hard we make it on young women to just be yourself. It breaks my heart. We compare circumstances. I've got a better job than she does. He's got more education than I do. They go on nicer vacations than we do, but we're happier than they are. We, we keep looking over at the grass on the other side of the fence. Today, we're going to say to all of that, I quit. Let's say it all together. I quit. And we got to remind ourselves of that all the time. I quit. And whenever you kind of find that comparing creeping up, you got to say, I quit. You got to pray about it. Say, Lord, I quit. And if you keep seeking the Lord about this, if you keep seeking the Lord about this, I believe that He will break your compulsion to compare. If you're following the outline, here's the first thing you need to know about complaining. Complaining kills contentment. Excuse me, complaining. Comparing kills contentment. Please open your Bible to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, starting with verse 7. Uh, This is, we're going to look at a couple of verses that Laura read for us a little bit ago. If you don't have your own Bible, you'll find it on page 286 of the Pew Bible. And while you're looking that up, Let me introduce to you Israel's first king named Saul. Now, compared to other men, the Bible says that Saul was as handsome as a young man could be found anywhere in Israel. I mean, when it comes to looks, nobody beats Saul, right? And and the Bible also says that he was a head taller than anyone else. So he literally stands out in a crowd. So after Saul is king for a while, uh, the, the Israelites and the Philistines are kind of, uh, the enemy are kind of at a standoff uh, with each other militarily. And the top Philistine warrior, giant of a man himself, taunts the Israelites to send someone out to fight him. 
but no one dares challenge their champion. And then young David shows up, and you know the story. Uh, He puts a stone in his sling, and he whirls it around, and he lets it fly. And that stone hits the only real place that is exposed from the armor on this, on, on this giant, hits him and embeds right into his forehead. And he falls forward face down to the ground. The Philistines panic and the Israelites go chasing after him. When the Israelite warriors return home, the women come out to greet them. And they're just, too, they are singing, they are dancing. I mean, this is like cheerleaders on a day when you've won the national championship, you know? Confetti's falling down, all the guys are putting on their national championship hats. And the women even come up with this chorus to celebrate the victory. Okay, now we're at verse 7. Are you with me? Because I'm going to have you read the last part of verse 7 with me. As they danced, they sang, and say the rest with me. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now, you know that's not literally true, right? Because David has just slain one. I mean, he was a big one. He was an important one. But the women have all fallen in love with David. And as you can imagine, this irks King Saul to no end. Let's look at verse 8. Saul was very angry. This frame displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Now, I'm sure most of you aren't following the NBA playoffs like I am. And that's okay. But it reminds me of LeBron James and Steph Curry. And you, you know who they are? You aware? Okay. Uh, big LeBron James has a reputation for being the best player on the planet and he's kind of fond of that reputation you know Uh, little Steph Curry doesn't even look all that athletic but he's won the last two MVP awards King James as they call him came up short again and everybody loves Steph Curry right all the kids love Steph Curry. Every kid wants to be Steph Curry. Every, Every kid wants to wear a Steph Curry jersey Same thing in the Bible. Everybody loves David. And Tom, you're taking notes on this for your column, aren't you? Okay, just just to make sure. Okay. Anyway, and it it compares to to, to King Saul. You know, it just drives him crazy. It it, It drives him mad. And comparing will do that to you. Comparing will will kill your contentment. It'll kill your joy. It'll kill your self-worth. It'll make you resentful and bitter. Not only that, but once you start comparing, you start craving. In the Ten Commandments, what's the last commandment about? Do you remember? Covet. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 17, the Lord says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything, anything that belongs to your neighbor. See, once you start comparing your house to your neighbor's house, 
then you start craving. You've got to have something better. That's sin, folks. It kills your contentment, and it starts with comparing. Sometimes we compare and we feel inferior. Other times we compare, and it's just as dangerous, we compare and feel superior. And so on the outline, you can add this. Comparing is the path of the prideful. One of my favorite of Jesus' parables is where two people are praying at the temple. And one of them uh, is this really super religious guy. I mean, just as straight as you can get. He's a Pharisee. And the other is this crooked, cheating, conniving tax collector. And the Pharisee prayed a prayer of comparison. Jesus said, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like that tax collector over there. And Jesus said that that comparing prideful prayer did not put the Pharisee in right relationship with God. Comparing is the path of the prideful. You've probably seen the scene happen in a department store uh, from time to time where, you know, there in the toy department, some little three-year-old is throwing an absolute tantrum, screaming, crying, you know, waving his arms and kicking his legs because he wants another Thomas the Train. And there's mom, you know, embarrassed and trying to, to get her kid to calm down and be quiet. And you may, you may feel sympathy for that beleaguered mother, but some will compare. Well, can you believe that? I would never let my child get by with anything like that. Easy to say when you're not the parent of a three-year-old, right? Beware of comparing. Comparing is the path of the prideful. C.S. Lewis wrote this. so interesting. He says, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If everyone became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. Let that soak in a little bit. Jesus taught us over and over to not play this game, to quit comparing, to to be willing to let go and and go last and, and to be the servant and then not the chief. So I say, Learn contentment in your situation. Learn contentment in your situation. In in the Bible, um, we have some of the letters that Paul wrote when he was in prison. And in one of those, he says this, and I'll put the scripture up, and I'm going to have you read the orange words with me, okay? I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, we Christians, we love to quote the last part, which is, you know, Philippians 4.13. I can do all this, or I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Kind of making it sound like we're invincible, but that's not what this is about. He's saying that, that Jesus gives him the strength to be content in any situation. And apparently it took a little while because it says he learned it. You know, other people are free to go about and do their business, and there he is locked up. But instead of comparing, he has learned. Learn contentment in your situation. For example, maybe, maybe you're single and you wish you were married. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible says also that if you are single, to count it as a gift. And if you are married, that is also a gift. But don't let your comparing rob you of the gift. Learn contentment in your situation. There was a time in my life when I dreamed about being the pastor of a megachurch. You know, I mean, like a couple thousand people on Sunday morning. Uh, and, 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 of course, it never happened. And maybe that's okay. Maybe God knew that that wasn't best for me or that wouldn't have, maybe I couldn't have handled it. Now my focus is on leading Faith Westwood to be the kind of church where we reach out to our neighbors and we reach out to our neighborhood and we reach out to our city and we love them and we invite them and we, we have them join us in becoming disciples. And you know, I believe that if we do this, God will do something and we may see this church double in size in the next 10 years. But if it does, it's not going to be because, you know, I, I have to be the pastor of a bigger church. I'm learning to be content in my situation. And the last one is this. Learn contentment with yourself. I am not Kurt Dodd over at Westside. I'm not Les Beecham over at LifeGate. I'm not Mark Ashton at Christ Community. And I'm sure that I could learn from all of those pastors, but I know this. I'm not meant to be any of them. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork. When you belong to Jesus, he is remaking you to be in his image. But that doesn't mean that we're going to be carbon copies. You are going to be always be you when he remakes you you will be even more uniquely the you that you were meant to be you are God's handiwork you are God's masterpiece God doesn't want there to be another you I really recently saw this quote from Dr. Seuss here it is today you are you that is truer than true there is no one alive who is youer than you. Isn't that great? Last year, I got to uh, participate in a choir reunion at Nebraska Wesleyan. And during rehearsal, I, because I, uh, there was a concert later, but during rehearsal, I sat by one of my former classmates. And I remember back in college, this guy had a strong, clear voice. But as I listened to him now, I thought, wow, this guy's a fantastic singer. 
And so I just couldn't help but compliment him. I said, wow, you have really gotten good. And he said he's done quite a few stage musicals over the year. He's taken voice lessons to keep improving. And uh, you know what? Amazingly, I, I found myself that I didn't feel intimidated by that, at least not very much. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay that he's way better than me now, and, and, and good for him. Maybe, maybe I'm learning to be content with myself. Of course, when I hear someone who's a lot better preacher than I am, that's a lot harder. <laughs> but how do we learn to quit comparing and to be content? How do we do that? Well, what I think is we do the stuff that we always do. As we're, as we're becoming deep, daring, daily disciples. And so I don't have this on your outline, but you can add this, okay? Just a couple, a few short things, three short things. First, worship God. Worship God on Sundays, worship God the other six days of the week because when you keep your focus on God and who God is, all the comparing begins to fall to the background because I'm not the center of the universe anymore, Right? Learn, and then secondly, learn the scriptures and let its message transform you. Jesus is your shepherd. He knows you by name. You are God's new creation in Christ and you are uniquely gifted. Do you know that? You are uniquely gifted to serve. Finally, keep company with contented people. Be around them. Get in a group with them. Hang out with them. Pray with them. Just because they, they've already come down farther on that road of, of learning to not compare. And if you hang out with them, it's going to eventually rub off on you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, um, we are relentless comparers. <laughs> We admit it, uh, we, we sometimes just can't seem to help ourselves, but we want to learn. We want to grow, we want to know how to not be caught up into that and let it define us, Lord. We want you to define us, who we are by your truth. So Lord, every time that little comparing bug starts to bite, remind us, help us to learn the secret of being content. And Lord, we pray that you'll allow us here at Faith Westwood to not compare ourselves to other churches. That we're not meant to be a carbon copy of any church. We're called to be who we are supposed to be here in this place at this time and no one else, no other church. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.